have you ever felt powerless over a stronghold in your life? Anybody? Anybody? Is it just me? Is it just me? Um, there's just things that, that I've encountered where I feel like I can't get over it. Um, and it, it's, it's really crazy because I'll be honest, as I came into faith, I thought that, that God was just going to instantaneously deal with all of my brokenness. And, you know, I would, you know, go in like this beat up Volkswagen and I'd come out like this beautiful Ferrari on the other side of that salvation prayer. Um, and, and that wasn't really the case. Um, and so that kind of, you know, made me think, did God fail me? Like, uh, did, did God like hold back something from me? I mean, surely there was something else that I was supposed to receive and I, I was supposed to get. Um, but what if I were to tell you that that feeling of powerlessness that, that I've shared, that, that I have even today at times, is a lie. And that that feeling that we can't do anything about the strongholds in our lives and, and our struggles and that somehow that we're victims and we're just beholden to the world and, and to our past and all of this. What if I were to tell you that that's a lie? It sounds like a gimmick. I know it sounds like a sales pitch. And before you guys get up and head for the doors, I want you to know they're locked. Um, but <laughs> I want you to know, though, that, that there's, there's a truth. There's a truth to take away. The fact that we struggle is not a failure of God's part. It's a failure of ours to realize truth, to realize what God has done and, and to walk out the things that he has for us. Tonight's message is titled this, Unchained from Sin. And so we're going to continue our Unchained series and, and we're going to talk about um, unchaining ourselves from sin. Um, we're going to talk about unchaining ourselves from sin nature. And, and that may sound like an impossibility, right? Because we know that, that people are sometimes wicked and, and bad. And, 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 and even with all of that, the best of us still miss the mark and still fail and still make mistakes. But in order to really understand this, first we need to understand what sin is. Um, sin is any time we miss the mark. We fail to fulfill God's will. Um, that, that if we're, um, anytime that really we put our desires ahead of God's, then we've fallen into sin. It's, it's actually an archery term. It means literally to miss the mark. And so what is our sin nature? Our sin nature is this. We have a natural inclination to sin. It's something that we see from the very beginning. Um, with, with Adam and Eve, we see that that in the beginning, God created everything. It was good until this deception took place um, with Eve and Adam in the garden. And the deception came in the form of pride where they thought that they knew better than God. And from that moment on, human nature has been defiled with this desire to please ourselves above God. With this pride that somehow we know better than he knows. And so again, it's a natural inclination to sin. That's sin nature. And given the choice to do God's will or our own, we naturally choose to do our own thing. One of the greatest examples of this, and I've used it before, that we can see is with children. How many parents do I have in here? I've got some parents. Um, as many of you know, I have six kids. Here's the thing I know about kids. Nobody had to teach them to be selfish, right? Anybody have to teach your child to be selfish? Hand, no, no, hands are up, right? Because they're just, they're just instinctively that way. You just instinctively want to love them and sometimes push them down at the same time. Like, why are you such a brat? You must get this from your mother. Um, that was funnier than you guys gave me credit for. Um, um, nobody has to teach our children to lie, right? I have six kids. They're great. Um, they really are. They're good kids. They're all liars. 
This is what I know. I used to work in children's ministry. I've never met a child that wasn't a liar. Have you, anybody in here ever met a child that's not a liar? Any hands, any hands? No, because they're full of crap all the time. And nobody had to teach them that. They just naturally kind of just do that, right? It's just one day you think you have the perfect child, you're convinced of it, and you have conversations with her, and they're just great. They're good as gold. And then something obvious happens, like, hey, did you eat this cookie? And they've got chocolate chips smeared all over their face, and all of a sudden they're like, no. And you're like, he just lied to me. Like, what happened? What happened to my angel? What the sin nature came in where they, they wanted to protect themselves. They dealt with guilt and they dealt with shame. And, and all of a sudden, there it is, rearing its ugly head. Your child is just as bad as the rest of ours, right? And, and, and nobody had to teach it because it's just in us. It's just in us. Now, does that mean that's just the way we are? We should just surrender to it, right? And just give up and embrace the fact that we're all gonna do the wrong thing. Absolutely not. Because the truth is, we can be unchained, that the bondage of that can be broken in our lives. And I'm not saying that you'll achieve perfection on this side, but the desire to fulfill your will over God's can be dealt with in a significant way where you begin to actually desire to do the right thing, the God thing, not the right thing for you. I know a lot of us uh, will fall into that. And I know there were seasons where I was, I was good um, and it was really just, it was really just leveraging me, right? And so we need to unchain ourselves from sin in a way that allows us to leverage God above ourselves. And so no one has to teach a child again to be selfish. Sinful behavior comes naturally. Wherever people are, there's trouble, right? That, that if, you want, if you want to see drama, you just go to where people are. I was going to make a sexist joke there, but I refrained because, because I'm mature. I'm mature. So I said people all together. Wherever people are, there's trouble. Charles Spurgeon said this, as the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly, um, it is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot detect it, you are deceived. It's present. We see it in everybody, and we see it everywhere. Um, there's no person outside of Jesus Christ that has walked the earth that's absent of this. It has to be dealt with in all of us. It has to be dealt with us in all of us. The apostle Paul, though, said this in Romans 5.20. He said, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. One of the purposes of God's law, right, the, the Ten Commandments and the over 600 um, commandments or the oral Torah that was given to the nation of Israel were given in part so people could see their brokenness and in their brokenness see their need for God. Because I don't know about you that if I had continued to go through life thinking that everything I did that was so selfish and so destructive was okay, I would never have recognized that I needed Jesus. I would never recognize that I needed to live different, that I could live different, and that God had a better life for me. And so all of this was, was done in order so that we could see how sinful we were. He goes on and says, but people sinned more and more. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. 
giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So God's law was given in part to help us with our deception, right? Just as Charles Spurgeon said, it's present as salt is in the sea. And if you can't detect it, you're deceived. And so God wanted to reveal that to us, but he didn't want us just to know that we were bad. He wanted to offer us a way out. And that's where we see Jesus enter the scene, right? He wanted to see our need for him, but simultaneously offer us freedom, offer us a way out, offer us a way towards him. Tonight, tonight I want us to be in Romans 6. And so um, Romans 6 is in your New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul. Um, The book of Romans is considered to be one of the greatest theological works ever written. Um, It it, Paul just goes through um, just uh, the nature of God, um, the nature of what Jesus has done, our nature. It's incredibly beautiful, um, just the way that he um, just... uh, tackles the gospel in a way that we can understand. And so tonight we're going to be exclusively in Romans 6. We're actually going to go through the entire chapter of Romans 6. It's only 23 verses. Again, before you run, it'll be okay. You guys are actually in a church if you didn't know that. So it's going to be good. Um, Romans 6 though, um, starting in verse 1. So Think about where he ended in chapter 5. You know, oftentimes when we read um, our Bible, we need to realize that most of the New Testament is a letter. And so even though it's divided into chapters, um, it was written as one long letter. So what what he said at the end of 5 ties right into 6. And so he was talking about God's grace, right? That that, uh, he goes back to it. It says God's law was given so we could see how sinful we were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, Now, God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life with Jesus. So he he paints that picture of salvation. And then in verse one, he says this, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Like, so should we do more terrible things so God can forgive us more? I mean, because that's, that's what he does is as uh, our sin abounds, grace abounds too, right? As we sin more, God pours out more grace. And, and I don't know about you, but I kind of had that mindset at one time, right? That, that if, or if God saves me and God forgives me and, and he deals with this, well, I can continue to be a piece of trash then. And so I'll just Monday through Saturday, I'll do terrible things. And Sunday, I'll show up to a church service and God deals with with it. And then that gives me clear conscience to go do the things that I want to do. And so that's kind of what he's saying here. But it says this, of course not. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, say died. Died. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So he begins to, to bring us to this point that's so important to understand, as Paul says, since you've died to sin, dead to it. Meaning you can't interact with it. You're no longer animated towards this sin's nature. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, he's saying, in case you don't understand what I'm saying, have you forgotten when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. New lives. And so if you think of your old sinful nature as dead and buried, we have a powerful motive to be done with it, right? But we've got to begin to think of that, that the old is gone. It's done. It's dealt with. 
If we've died to that, then we can go on living. But, but many of us want to carry that into our new life. And we hold on to those things, things that have been dealt with. And that's why we continue to struggle. That's why I continue to struggle. It wasn't that God didn't complete the work in me or, or, or I mean, he's completing it. It's not that, that God you know, shortchanged me. It was that I didn't fully comprehend and fully understand what he had done. And so I was saved and then I held on to my addiction held on to my anger. I held on to unforgiveness and, and I carried it with me. And God's saying, why are you carrying dead things into your new life? You're, you're dead to that. It's been dealt with. It's been buried. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in death. The old is gone. The new is here. And so again, if we think of our old sinful nature as dead and buried, it's an incredible motivation to begin to change and walk out a new life. But, tr but the truth is, it goes far beyond motivation. And tonight, I want us to look at some truths. I want us to look at some truths that the Apostle Paul just lays out for us beautifully through Romans 6. Truths that deal with these lies of, of once an addict, always an addict. Once a piece of trash, always a piece of trash. That, that the past somehow defines us. That, that deals with all of that nonsense that, that convinces us that we can't be changed, that we can't be new people, that we've got to be stuck back here with the old man, the old woman, and we've got to carry him around with us into this relationship with God that Paul lays out these truths that lets us see and lets us know and allows us to hear that, that we can be done with that, that we can actually have freedom. That if you struggle in addiction and you continue to have your teeth knocked in by it time and time again, that does not have to be your story forever. That, that God's dealt with that nature. And we actually have the power living within us, inside of us today, tonight, in this moment to walk out a new life. The problem is we fail to grasp that truth. We fail to see that reality. We, we fail to pursue it because we're so in love with our flesh. We're so in love with our sin nature that we carry that corpse around with us. And God's saying, what are you doing? I've got something better for you. I've got something new in mind for you. And so starting in uh, Romans 6, 5, it says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. And so I want you to focus on that. Old sinful selves were crucified. So crucified on a cross. Um, I know I've, I've bagged on people a ton for this, but, but the cross used to be an instrument of torture, not something that you wore around your neck, not something you got tattooed on your arm, not something that you hung on the rearview mirror of your car, right? It, it, was, a, it was an instrument of torture. Things went to the cross to die. That, that's what crucifixion was. It, was. it was torture that resulted in death 100% of the time, except for the one time where Jesus went there. And so our old sinful selves were crucified, put to death, dealt with, at the cross. And this was done so that sin might lose its power in our lives. 
That's something that doesn't really line up very well with traditional 12 steps in AA and NA, right? Because the lie is that you're always just going to be this. And that's, that's all there ever is going to be. But, but God's word is so much more. And God's word, when taken literally for, for what it says, for what it means, paints a picture of transformation. That, that, that once that lie was dealt with, I know me personally, the sin was dealt with, the, the, great, the great struggle. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but, but I was able to, to walk away from addiction and, and not, not carry it with me anymore. So this was put to death so sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer, say no longer. We are no longer slaves to sin. Again, when what is sin? It's so much more than a church word. It's missing the mark. We're no longer slaves to missing the mark, to pursuing our own nature over God's nature, that there's something different that can take place, that we can actually pursue godly living, godly lifestyle. Sin's power is broken. We're unchained from it so that we can pursue a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It goes on in verse 7. It says, for when we died with Christ... We were set free. Say set free. Set free from the power of sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And what does that mean? That means as an addict, you don't have to die an addict, right? As somebody who's angry and broken, you don't have to die angry and broken. That, that means you can walk out a new life today. You don't have to wait till resurrection with Jesus to begin to live out something different. That today in this moment, right now, in this very room, you can begin to experience freedom from the power of that sin nature, the thing that's kept you down, kept you in broken relationships, kept you um, in all of these places of destruction. God's already dealt with it and freed you from it if you've surrendered to him in relationship. And so again, it says we, were, we died with Christ. We were set free from the power of sin. And so truth number one is this, through Jesus, through Jesus, we are free from sin's power. We're free from sin's power. We don't, have, we don't have to live that way no more, right? We don't have to be broken like that anymore. And not because of our work, not because of something you've done or something I've done, but because of something Jesus has done, that sin begins to lose its power and we just fail to walk in the freedom that's already been given us. And so what is sin's power? That's our rebellious, sin-loving nature. That's what you see in the toddler that's selfish and lies. It's that, that sin nature that makes you want to push him down. Right, Adam? Yeah, man, we got to know. I've seen him do it. Yeah, he works with you. It's just, yeah, never mind. Um, but, it, but it's that, that rebellious, sin-loving nature. I know this. As a teenager, man, I was, I was messed up. Um, not many. I don't know if anybody in this room knew me um, <laughs> then, but... There, there was something wrong with me, other than the fact, like, not like traditional, there's something wrong with all teenagers. I mean, there just really is. There's just something wrong with them. Um, but, but I had something else wrong with me. Um, I, had, I had no moral compass. Like, there was, there was a bend in me, a desire to, to break the law and to do the wrong thing. And, and never once can I remember as a teenager early on feeling bad about hurting somebody. Never once could I remember feeling bad about being selfish and taking what I wanted because in my brokenness, I thought that's what it was. That's what it was about. 
right? That the weak fall behind and the strong raise up. And if I can crush everyone's throat with my boot, then I've got it and I've made it. And, and that's just what it was. And eventually, as you can imagine, that type of lifestyle and that type of mentality um, got me in legal trouble. And, and then I found myself um, at 15, 16 years old, um, looking at being locked up for a while. And, and I ended up at, at military school, Thunderbird and Pryor. Um, and they... <laughs> It was really weird because they, on Wednesday, he gave you this thing. Like you could, you could exercise for an hour and a half, like PT, or you could go to church. And I wasn't a church girl. I wasn't raised that way. But, but I remember at 16, I was like, well, this is a stupid choice here. Of course, I'm going to go to church. I mean, I hear that they get candy. We didn't get a whole lot of sugar, right? And I'm going to go. So that's what I did. And, and I remember sitting there one night, not really knowing, not really understanding, but, but having something move inside of me where I surrendered to Jesus for the very first time in my life. And, and, and in that, and in that I, I walked and I, and, I, and I left that place and I, and I didn't know what had happened. And, and I graduated and I went back to the streets and I tried to do all the same things I used to do. And, and unknown to me, I felt conviction. I didn't even know what the heck conviction was. Like, I felt bad for the first time. It was, it was crap. Like, I was like, I, I was like they broke me. Like, what's, what's wrong here? And, and I didn't even realize that it was that, that moment, right, of surrender where God's Holy Spirit entered me and, and began to deal with that sin nature, the thing that drove me. And I was no longer content and satisfied just pursuing things for me. And some time went on. And all of a sudden, I had a desire to go to church. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I never went to church. That, that wasn't something we did. Why do I want to go here? And little by little, God just continued to deal with things in my life. And 15 years later, 15 years later, I, I finally set down my addiction completely and, and, and walked in freedom. And it was step by step by step. But it started with that moment where sin's power was broken in a significant way that this work took place in my life where I had freedom. I had freedom in that moment. I didn't even understand it. I didn't even know it. But sin's power is broken because through Jesus, we are free from sin's power. Verse 8 says this, and since we died with Christ, we will also live with him. That's what takes place. Not only do we die to these things in our past, but we're resurrected into new life. We get to, we get to live out something totally different, transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also, you, out there, you also should consider yourself dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus. What a powerful statement, right? What, what a significant truth that through the work of Jesus, we should consider ourselves to be dead to the power of sin. Anger, lust, jealousy, addiction. That the, the truth that the world doesn't want you to see is that we can consider ourselves to be dead to that if we're willing to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus and to surrender everything to him. But when we fail to do that, we carry that stinky old life with us everywhere. And we drag it from relationship to relationship, to job to job, to broken place to broken place. And God's saying, why? It's been handled. It's been dealt with. Drop it. Leave it alone. Because again, point number one, through Jesus, 
we are free from sin's power. Let's look at verse 12 as we continue. Romans 6 verse 12 says this, do not let sin control the way you live. And I like that. I mean, if God's saying, do not let sin control the way you live, you know what that reveals? There must be a choice. Now, that's hard to swallow because that means some of you are sitting in here doing stupid things and you've been blaming the enemy. You've been blaming your ex-husband. You've been blaming your ex-wife or or your children. and, And the stupid decision is solely on you. Do not let sin control the way you live. We have a choice. And that's hard to recognize. That's hard to realize sometimes. And just the truth of the matter is this. I'm not perfect. I get angry. I cuss too much. I I do things I shouldn't do. And that's on me. That's my brokenness. I can't blame anybody. I can't blame any situation. And in those moments of weakness, those moments of failure, the only thing I can do is look in the mirror and say, what, man, I'm glad... God forgives me. I've got to do better. I've got to do, I've got to make better choices. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, say instead. Instead, give yourself completely to God. So here's your choice, right? Live for the world or give yourself completely to God. So if you're failing in an area of life, what that really reveals is you failed to surrender there, that you've held on to something, that, that God's saying, let go. It, it has no power. It has no more power than you give it. And so surrender to God. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, say instead. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And so truth number two is this. Through Jesus, we live under God's grace. Now, what is grace? Undeserved mercy. Undeserved forgiveness. Grace is is what God pours out on us, right? The more we mess up, the more God's grace is present, saying, I'm not gonna hold you to that. For, for those of us that accept Jesus, that's, that's what we receive. We receive God's grace. And that, that's where we find our, our right standing. And so we no longer live under the power of sin, but we, we live through God's grace. This is through Jesus, we live under God's grace. Paul established earlier, right? This is not a reason, not an excuse to keep on messing up and to keep doing what's wrong. I've, I've ministered to people before and it's like, I've tried to like address things in their life and, and there's this big, huge lie in the church that somehow as believers, we should never look at another believer and say, hey, you're an idiot, stop messing up. You're doing the wrong thing here. And then they're like, oh, you're judging me. You can't judge me. That's crap. That's not right. Um, actually, we can call each other out. We should call each other out. Uh, but I, I've ministered to people that, that in those moments, they're saying, I'm forgiven, yeah? And because of that, we should try to be better, right? And, and I did the same thing. Well, I'm a Christian now. I've got a free pass. No longer have to worry about damnation or hell or all those things my grandma told me about. Like, I can just, I can get wild now, right? No, no. It's not an excuse to do the wrong thing. It's a reason to do what's right. It's a reason to do what's right, that when we receive that mercy, 
It's a reason to change everything. Um, I almost went to prison in, uh, I think it was 2011 or something like that. Um, and, and I know in that moment, I remember going through the process, and it didn't click at first, um, but I, I remember um, thinking, uh, my son's going to be this old when I get out, and, and all of this, and, you know, I had a really good attorney, paid a stupid amount of money, because, you know, unfortunately, you know, oftentimes how the legal system works, um, and, and because of that, I got, I got off, right? I got probation and, and, and lived that out, and so I, I received this grace, right, from the court system. Was, was that, in my mind, I can be like, all right, like, <laughs> round two, like, I got this one. Now I get to go and I get to do all these things again and, and, and see if I can get off a second time. No, I had to wake up to the fact. I remember sitting across from my attorney and, and he said, hey, listen, like, I can only keep you out of prison so much. And he said, I'll take as much as your money as you want me to, but eventually I'm not going to be able to help you and you're going you're gonna to be on the other side of this. And it was kind of that wake-up call. Like, all right, I got grace from the legal system here. I should stop being a piece of trash and start being a dad. And, and God kind of does the same thing for us, right? He's like, hey, listen, I'm going to forgive you. And, and that forgiveness is not an excuse to keep doing the wrong thing. It should be a wake-up call to like, man, God gave me something I didn't deserve. I know me. God, God gave me a family I don't deserve. God gave me a position I don't deserve. I mean, nothing. I, there's nothing in my life that I should have. And I can't take that for granted. I have, to, I have to look at that and say, God is so great. God's grace and mercy flows through my life in such a significant way. And when I look at that, I can arrive at no other reasonable conclusion, but I've got to be a better person. Not because it saves me, because it doesn't. Not because that's what set me free because it didn't. But if God's going to be so good to me, the very least I can do is try to serve him and try to do the right thing and try to please him. That's the only logical response to such a merciful God. And so again, point number two is through Jesus, we live under God's grace. Through our freedom, we no longer have to deal with guilt and shame. We no longer have to deal with guilt and shame. We have the freedom to serve God. Let's look at verse 15 as we begin to close. It says then, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? So again, Paul's like revisiting it. Why is he doing this? Because people are dense, right? He's got to say it twice. Like God wants you to know, right? He wrote it twice, so it must be important. You ever tell your child something twice? You tell him twice because you really mean it, right? And so twice now in the same chapter, he's saying, well then, should we go on doing the wrong thing? No. Can you say that? Say no. No. No, we need to change, right? Well, then, should we go on sinning? No, of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. We have a choice. We had a choice before God's grace and mercy set us free. We have a choice afterwards. God didn't take away your free will. You didn't step into a relationship with him, and now you're some mindless drone, right? You have a choice. This is where we miss it. This is where we mess up because I left the presence of God and went right back to the old ways, the old life, the old nature. 
and became enslaved to it all over again. And that's what we do. We leave these encounters and we pick those things right back up. And we become a slave to whatever we choose to obey. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and have become slaves to righteous living. Truth number three is this. Through Jesus, we serve righteousness. Righteousness, right behavior. Doesn't save us, but it's that thing that we pursue because of what God's done. Because of God's grace, we choose to be slaves of righteous living. But it's a choice, one you have to make. One that God doesn't make for you, one that I can't make for you, right? One that your nagging spouse can't make for you. You have to choose to do the right thing. You you have to choose to serve righteous living. But the beauty of all of this, the beauty of the gospel is because of Jesus, we actually have a choice. Without him, we didn't. We were powerless to sinful nature. We were powerless to those lifestyles. Maybe you were powerless to addiction, powerless to lust or anger or unforgiveness, but God frees us from that. And through relationship with him, you have the opportunity to choose. Who will you obey? Will you leave this place, go on serving the world, serving your flesh? Or will you spend time in the presence of God and say, no more. I choose today to be slave, to be a slave to serve righteous living. He goes on in 19. He says, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to ever led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy and set apart. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And as a result, you are now ashamed of the things you used to do things that end in eternal doom. Those two verses have always resonated with me so much. And it's one of those things I always think about when somebody says, man, God's word's dated. It was written for a a different time. And I just see this. You're now ashamed of the things you used to do. I I look back on my life and I, I don't know that there's ever been something that's resonated with me more in God's word. Like that's so true, isn't it? That old life brought about guilt and shame, depravity, embarrassment. But we don't have to live that. So he says, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do the things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want us to do this. Um, Just right where you're at, I want you to just take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. I want you to spend a moment with God. I want you to allow him to begin to deal with the places in your life where you've allowed bondage 
instead of walking in freedom. I want you to begin to think about those strongholds. I want you to begin to just think about, again, those areas where you've, you've held on to things that God has freed you from. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we don't have to continue to be powerless or to walk in, in slavery and bondage, God, to our, our old lives and our old ways. Father, we thank you that, that through Jesus, God, not only did you save us and, and give us the opportunity to look forward to heaven, but, Father, that, that you've dealt with, with things in our life today. Father, that through, through Jesus, you, you've dealt with addiction and lust and anger. Father, that, that you've broke the power over those things in our lives. That no matter what, no matter what, God, you're bigger than any sin, any stronghold, any brokenness in our lives. And we thank you. We thank you for dealing with it, God, and we thank you for setting us free. We just thank you for your grace that abounds in our darkest moments. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to do this. Say this. Say, I believe I'm free. I believe I'm free. So you walk out of here. Don't continue to let the world lie to you. Don't let the world continue to convince you that you're trapped. Don't let your past, don't let your family, don't let your so-called friends convince you that you'll never be anything more than a broken person. God frees us. God restores us. God saves us. And that applies to you. To recap tonight, Number one, through Jesus, we are free from sin's power. Through Jesus, we are free through sin, of sin's power. Number two, through Jesus, we live under God's grace. We don't live under a legal system. We don't live under the bondage of sin. We live under God's grace. And number three, through Jesus, we serve righteousness. Because of Jesus, we have the opportunity to serve righteousness. Our action steps tonight, number one, accept God's free gift of salvation. That, that's where sin's power is broken, is through accepting Jesus. Number two, recognize that sin has lost its power over you. You're no longer a slave to the old nature. And number three, choose to be enslaved to righteous living. Again, it's a choice. It's one you'll have to make. And so again, all of this, as we see, is, starts with that, that receiving of God's grace through salvation. And so that's where we recognize, one, that Jesus was the Son of God. And we believe wholeheartedly that he came 
that he lived, that he died <laughs> so that our sin could be dealt with in the first place. And, and we receive him as our Lord, as our Savior. And, and when we look at Lord, that's authority, right? You have to put him in charge. And when we do that, we are saved, we are forgiven, and sin's power is broken. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made that decision, you've never received God's grace before, and you've been walking in bondage, walking in slavery, and, and you're ready tonight to be set free, we have an invitation for you. Here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can receive the greatest gift of your life gift of God's mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his salvation. And number two, maybe you're in here and you've done that before, but, but you went back, right? You, you, you didn't choose righteous living moving forward and, and you went back to the old nature, the old self, and you picked up things that God had dealt with and you want to know, I mean, is it too late for me? Can I come back? It's never too late. You can absolutely come back. And so tonight, our same offer stands here in just a moment. You can get, get up out of your seat. You can come down front. And we have people that want to pray with you and for you so that you can recommit your life. And then maybe God's been dealing with you about something, something in your life that he just keeps pressing and saying that, I want that. I want that. Are you going to give it to me? And if he's been doing that, I want to encourage you to come get one of our white chips. There's nothing significant about them, right? It's a piece of plastic. But there is something significant about when we act out of faith, when we recognize God's voice touching those places, and we say, all right, God, I'm all in. And we get up and we come down here knowing that God's going to move. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you to do that. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You just want somebody to journey with you, to pray over you. If that's you, we would love to do that tonight. We would love to pray for you. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come down front and pray with us. Everybody would if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.